This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 20 for one more day and then we'll moving on to Genesis chapter 22. That is a good a good week. We've made it through a, a chapter of Genesis and we are we're headed toward Isaac being born and the promise being fulfilled. And that'll be next week. Looking forward to that. We are at the end of chapter 20. We've been dealing with this king named Abimelech. And as you read, you as you read through this, first you realize that he's a man of God because he actually hears from God. God speaks to him. And uh, he's, and that means not that he's a righteous man in the sense of a good man. He does good things. He messes up. What that means is that he is a righteous man because he trusts, he trusts God. He, uh, he places his faith in God. And that is, that makes him, that makes him righteous, not on his own merit, but it makes him righteous on, on the merit that comes from faith, that comes from trusting God. And that is the ultimate way to please God. It is really the only way to please God is to trust him. And, and Abimelech is a man of faith and God speaks to him. Now he speaks to him in dreams, but he does speak to Abimelech and Abimelech hears God. And when he hears God, he acts that he spoke to him in a dream and said, you're under a curse. You have married, you've taken a woman that's not yours as your wife. And that's not a good thing. And then he wakes up and he deals with the situation. He He's straightforward. He said, I've done this. I've been completely above board in what I've done. And I have, uh, maybe I've messed up. Maybe I've slipped up. Maybe I've done wrong, but it was not because I didn't know. It's not because I was trying to do wrong. I was trying to do right. And as an attorney, that is, that is a, uh, that is an important principle in the law. If you commit a crime in the law, one of the things, and there are a few crimes that are not, are not, do not require what we call mens rea, which is which, in, which means requires an intent. That that is the idea of you have to have intent to commit a crime. You have to have considered it and decided that you were going to do it. There are some strict liability crimes out there um, that you uh, you could commit if you do it. It's a crime, even if you didn't mean to do it. Those crimes, generally speaking, are very few. What's required is that you had intent. And uh, so that's what makes this, as far as Bimelech's concerned, that's what makes this an issue. Now, you go, why would God pronounce judgment of death on Abimelech in this situation if he did not intend? Remember that to break the law in any part is to break the whole law. And we're under the curse of death no matter what. We've been under the curse of death since we were conceived in our, in, in our mother's womb. We carry that curse due to the sin nature that is passed on to us from our parents. Uh, we we have a sin nature, and that sin nature is ultimately that sin nature is ultimately it is it leads to death. The wages of sin, Romans tells us this. Romans chapter eight, wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life. When God revealed to Abimelech the situation that he found himself in, he was really revealing to Abimelech, he's revealing to Abimelech where he was falling short in the law. And God does that. That's what makes God, that's what makes God who he is. He doesn't reveal to us all of what we call sin. You got to remember there's individual acts of sin. And then there is, there is the state of sin that we live in. And we use the same word to describe it. And we don't even change any, we don't even change it at all. Our state of sin and then the sin or multiple things or acts that we do are sinful. And those acts that we do that are sinful oftentimes don't even have intent behind them. They're just acts of sin. They're things that are quite clearly wrong. We didn't even know they were wrong and they're wrong. And Abimelech is a perfect figure in the Old Testament to show us that that sin is so easily entangled in us because of our sin nature. It's so easily available to us. And we just, we stumble, our whole life is just fumbling around in sin, struggling to figure out how to walk with God, struggling how to figure out how to have the life that God wants us to have, struggling just to be be godly people before him. And and what's cool about God is he is he understands that we're in a state of sin and he's paid for it. He's handled that state of sin. He's handled that state of sin through Jesus Christ. So as far as he's concerned, we're no longer sinners. We're we're redeemed. As far as he's concerned, he's placed all our sin on Jesus. And so and he's not in the business of condemning us over it. He's in the business of changing us over it. That's why he went to Abimelech in a dream. He said he went to Abimelech and said, listen, this is going to kill you. This thing that has happened in your life, this thing that you didn't even know about, it's going to destroy you. And you've got to, you've got to, you've got to get this fixed. And Abimelech goes, God didn't know that. And notice, this is another reason we can see that Abimelech's a man of faith. He acts on what God told him. He trusts the dream God gave him. He trusts the uh, visions God opened his eyes to. He trusted what God gave him understanding of, and he acted. And he even went to Abraham and said, what is this you've done to me? And Abraham said, uh, truth is, I've been doing this the whole time, and I didn't know whether you were going to be godly or not. In fact, I just quite assuredly, I just assumed you wouldn't be. And who knew that you heard from God in dreams? And I, we've been doing this, and Sarah actually is my sister. I'm not, I'm not totally lying about that. I just didn't tell you the whole truth. And a lot of times when you say, I didn't lie, if you withheld knowledge from somebody that was critical in a situation and made them think something that was not, that is not wholly that way, you allowed them to think something that's wholly not that way. And that was critical to them and to their future and to their life. You deceived them. You can call it, I didn't do a, I didn't tell them a lie. You can say that. But what you have done is you have deceived them. And Abraham had deceived him. Abraham had deceived him. And Abimelech was going to suffer the consequences of that deception. It was going to it was going to affect Abimelech very negatively for his life. And Abimelech was a little bit upset about it. And Abraham, you can see a conciliatory tone from him. He was not, once he realizes that Abimelech's a, a, a man who hears God and who trusts God, he says, we've just been doing this all our life. And that's, that goes to the whole principle of when you say we've just always done it this way, 
that doesn't mean it's God's way. If you say, this is how my family operates, is that because somebody in your heard from God and God told them to operate that way? Or is that just because y'all been operating on your sin nature for as long as anybody can remember? To ask God and to speak to God in such a way as to say, we're just, this is the way it's always been. Your sin nature is the way it's always been too. You've been walking in death and your whole family for generations past, millennia past, has been walking in death too, but we don't want to continue in that, do we? We don't want to continue in the death that we were walking in. We want to walk in life, don't we? Don't we want to continue to walk in the goodness of life? Don't we want to continue to walk in hope that comes from only him? Sure we do. And so we want to allow God to change our hearts. We want to allow God to change the way we see things. We want to see the the world from God's perspective and not our own. And anytime you say that this is the way it's always been, sometimes you just put yourself in that position of seeing it from your own perspective. So what did Abimelech do? Abimelech gave Sarah back. And not only that, he atoned for it. He's someone, I really love this, the end of the passage as much as I love anything. Because Abimelech says, Abimelech's whole intent at the start was to align himself with Abraham. Because he saw the qualities of God that were in Abraham. And uh, so many times when we mess up or we slip or we fall, and then and then we realize it's a fall, it's a good thing to, to seek forgiveness and atone for it. And you say, well, Jesus has atoned for my sin. I don't have to do that. I know, but remember, this is more than just about your relationship with God. This is your about your relationship with other people. Remember, though, that's all the law of love. And Abimelech comes and says, he says he took sheep, verse 14, and oxen. He took some of his servants, male and female, and he gave them to Abraham. And he restored to Sarah, his wife, to him, meaning he brought Sarah back and he brought gifts. And he got brought gifts of people, which is strength. And he got brought gifts of sheep and oxen. He came and he said, I was wrong in this. You may have been wrong in this and the way you presented it, but I was wrong and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make right what I did wrong. And oftentimes in, in our lives, we want the other side to admit that they were wrong. Look, let's not hold people to a standard that is hard for us to do. It's very difficult for us to admit we're wrong. And by the way, uh, what satisfaction do you gain by somebody else admitting that they were wrong? What, and really, I love, I love for people, some people that I've dealt with in life, to admit that they were wrong, but what satisfaction do you gain? Do you get a new, a newfound insight into the world that all of a sudden now you've it's been confirmed to you that they did you wrong? No, no, you don't. You knew they did wrong. By them admitting it, is it helping you to confirm that you did wrong? And by the way, people say it justifies. It really doesn't. You're not justified. You are only justified by faith. If you're trying to be justified by any other means, you're barking up the wrong tree. You're running down the wrong tree. You're headed in the wrong direction. You're not You're not justified ever except by faith. So if you're trying to be justified in a situation, I can tell you this, that, that somebody telling you they're wrong uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you were right. Did you hear me? Just because somebody says they were wrong doesn't just necessarily say that you were right. There's a strong likelihood that you were wrong too. There's a strong, hear me today, there's a strong likelihood that you were wrong too. Somebody else being be admitting they're wrong and making amends for it does not justify it. And it doesn't necessarily, and for sure, if that's your requirement, 
I'm glad God doesn't try, doesn't uh, necessarily need me to justify my, be justified before him by my actions. I'm glad that he justifies me by my faith. And Abimelech was, Abimelech was wrong and he wants to amend, make amends for it. And so he brings these gifts to Abraham and Abimelech said, see, my land is before you dwell where it pleases you. Notice his whole intent was to build a relationship with Abraham and he continues in that intent. Even though he messed up, he continues in the intent. He says, I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want you to be a part of, of my dominion, of my domain. I want you to, I want you to be, continue to be in my life. And I was wrong and I want to make sure that I do right by you, even if you didn't do right by me. That, that even makes Abimelech even more attractive to us. It makes him more appealing as a figure in the Bible because he comes to Abraham and says, I want to do right by you. You may have had a part to play in this, but I was wrong and I want to make my part right. Wow, what a, what a, what a powerful testimony that is for this king who lived not too far from Sodom and Gomorrah, a just king in the midst of a sea of, of evil. What a, what a powerful testimony that is. Then to Sarah, he said, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver, a thousand pieces of silver. That's the blood price, by the way. Silver is the price of blood. And it's, it, is, it is a symbol of the grace of God. Jesus was bought with 30 pieces of silver. Silver is always an atonement. It is always a payment. And it always deals with human life and it deals with the payment of human life. And he says, look, I'm going to give a gift to Abraham on your behalf of a thousand pieces of silver. I, I should not have done this. And I, and anything that I've done wrong, I want, I want to make amends for. I think this is a great testimony of love. It's a great testimony of forgiveness. And it's a great testimony of a man who is right in his heart about what he was doing. Even though he may have done it the wrong way, even though he may have, by the law, done something that was wicked, he didn't know he was doing wicked. He didn't understand that. And don't hold people to standards that uh, you can't hold yourself to for your whole life. The truth is, some people don't know what's right and wrong. And the truth is, some people hadn't, hadn't been revealed the truth like you have. And to hold them to a higher standard than you hold yourself would be just totally wicked. And I would say to you, look at somebody and look at them in the midst of their struggles and their troubles, and don't hold them to the standard of knowledge and revelation that you have. Don't hold them to the standard of blessing that you've lived in. I got to live uh, in a household with with a man and a woman who knew God and who walked with God. They didn't do it perfectly by any means, but they doggone sure did it. And I got to grow up in church, and I got to be around great men and women who who knew God. I got to be taught God's Word. Should I hold everyone to a, the same standard that I, I understand to be right, that I run into in the world? Absolutely not. I can't, oh, I can't demand them to walk in and know things that nobody's ever shown them. That would be, that, that's, it's almost, it's neurotic. It's almost crazy to think that. Now, do we do that? Sure we do. But I try to hold people to the standard uh, of love that the New Testament wants me to hold them to. I try, we, we have to hold them and say, maybe they didn't know. And maybe what they did was even really bad, but a little instruction, a little love and a little direction will may fix this. Remember <clears throat> uh, that love can cover up that sin. It can, it can, it can overcome it and it can fix it. But if we walk around pious, 
that people are not living up to our standard. We don't live up to God's standard. And it's one of those things you got to accept somebody when they say, I, I've made a mistake, I've done wrong, and I want, I want to apologize for it, and I want to fix it, and I want to make amends for it. Sometimes in order for you to receive the full blessing of God and to really walk as God has walked in forgiveness, to be as he is, you've got to suck it up and release them from that bondage of sin and and loosen the chains of pain and the chains of condemnation on them, just like you want done for yourself. And so he says, he vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Indeed, he says, I'm saying to the whole world by giving this, that you are not wrong at all, that nothing's wrong with you, that you are still a woman, a righteous and holy woman. And thus she was, and the New King James translated translates to rebuke, but the word actually stands for justified. The word means justified. So what he's saying is you're okay. Yeah, I'm saying to you, I was the wrong one. You're not, and you've not done nothing wrong. Abraham, notice what happens. What does Abraham do? He does what God told Abimelech that he would do because he is a righteous man. Abraham's a righteous man also. He was wrong. He deceived in this situation, and he's a righteous man. So Abraham, as a prophet, as a man who speaks to God, prayed to God. Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Um, and then they bore children for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. God had closed up the blessings that he had been, that Abimelech had walked in because of the situation that had happened. And that happens for a season sometimes. Sometimes that uh, things are shutting off for you, that Doors that used to be open are beginning to close. And you know what? That's the time to evaluate your life. Maybe God's taking you through a wilderness experience to learn to trust him more. Maybe God is showing you something new and different as far as where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do with your life. Or maybe you're walking in something that you shouldn't be walking in and you set it aside. And Abimelech, when he realized what had happened, he came to Abraham and he had wronged Abraham and Abraham had wronged him. And he made things right with Abraham and Abraham prayed to God and God gave back to Abimelech the same blessings that he had before. And boy, that's a great story of redemption, isn't it? This is a chapter 20 is probably one of those chapters in the Bible that we just run through and we don't even pay a whole lot of attention to. Glad that I've got to spend a week on this and, and be able to really dig down deep into it because it is the revelation of a man who, uh, who was a godly man in the midst of a sea of evil. And he messed up and we get to walk through this whole story and see redemption and, re and see restoration and see full recovery. And that is available to you today. Redemption is just a trusting in God away from your life. And restoration is just around the corner when we trust God. And a fullness and a fullness of life is available to you. And it's available through one man and one man only. His name is Jesus Christ. And uh, I would say to you, if you've not trusted him today, uh, trust him. Uh, trust him. He is a God who is true to everything he's ever said and done. He is a God who's known you before he knit you in your mother's womb. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to see you have the fullness of life that Abraham and Abimelech and Sarah had. And he wants to begin the process of recovery and begin the process of hope in your life. And you say, what is required of me? 
to believe on the one God sent, and that's Jesus, to trust in Jesus. If you'll trust in Jesus, things will begin to open for you, and your life will be more than you could ever imagine. And I would say to you today, I would urge you, I'd encourage you with all that I am, I would encourage you to trust Jesus and to chase after him. And all things will be made new for you in Jesus' name. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.